Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Lisa Cunningham, and it's going to be my honour to do the Bible reading for you this morning. And then I will conclude with a short prayer for us before Guy comes up to deliver this morning's sermon. So the scripture is going to be from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 11 to 25. And it reads as follows. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled in their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, God Almighty, God of all creation, we thank you, Lord, for you are so good. We thank you for the privilege and the honor of being able to come before your throne as we are, knowing that you will always receive us. Lord God Almighty, as Guy delivers your word this morning, we pray that you will open our hearts, my Heavenly Father. Give us revelation of your word so that we may be renewed in the spirit of our minds this morning. Give us new inspiration and invigoration, mighty God, to run a good race for you, Lord, in every aspect of our lives, so that we may really, truly honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. No, Mike will take that. Thank you, Lisa. That was wonderfully read. Um, lovely to hear the word of God so clearly spoken, and hope that encourages you. Um, we're in a series, if you're a visitor, we're in a series in terms of, called Exiles. Uh, it's called Exiles because it's uh, the context this letter is written. 
uh, by Peter, who was one of the 12 apostles who writes to a group of churches in northern Turkey who are living with what we might describe as mild persecution. Um, We might actually be able to describe the UK church living today under mild persecution. I think people who are watching what happens in the political realm are saying it's increasingly difficult for Christians to be able to say things or speak things. So this text, this book is very relevant to our church, middle of London, speaking to how do we reach a a pagan world, which most people would consider the UK now to be more like a pagan society than a Christian society. And uh, it's good to be reminded we are part of a global church this morning. Heather talked about Spain and Portugal. I heard this morning from our brothers and sisters in India and heard about a very large number of church buildings that have been burnt and destroyed this week through persecution. So these letters, these teachings are very relevant to our church today and how we live today. And uh, we are in a... in a season which we've called bless. Uh, And the idea of bless is that you and I might live a life where we are constantly looking to reach people with the gospel, with the love of Jesus Christ. And there's an acronym uh, of bless, begin with prayer, listen with care. I think it's on a slide actually. Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve with love and share your story. We want to be those people who are good news to be around. The world out there may say we don't want to hear the gospel, we've moved on from from Christianity, we're living out a different set of values, but the truth is there is a beautiful, wonderful gospel this nation needs to hear. And the people God entrusts it with are you and I, And the way in which we can most helpfully share the gospel is, I believe, praying, seeking God, listening to other people, sharing our food, serving people, and then being able to share our story. You and I are supposed to live a blessed life. Amen? Jesus began the most famous sermon The Sermon on the Mount, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. People have translated blessed happy. It's probably more accurately described as flourishing. Do you want your life to flourish as Psalm 1, the tree in Psalm 1? Do you want your life in Christ to be one of fruitfulness and flourishing? Do you? Two of you do. That's that's going to be encouraging. God wants us to be those trees those flourishing trees. Jesus picks up the wisdom literature as he begins the famous Sermon on the Mount and said, blessed are you if you first of all know how it is to die to sin and to self. Blessed are the poor in spirit because yours is the kingdom of heaven. But the interesting thing as he goes through and he finishes this famous Sermon of the Beatitudes, he finishes it with a little bit of a sort of shock to the system. 
Uh, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. What? Falsely say all kinds of evil against you. What? If I'm going to live a Christian life, if I'm going to be a flourishing tree, what are you talking about, Jesus? It feels like the small print. Have you ever read the small print on your medicines the doctor gives you? You go to your doctor and he says, yeah, okay, you've got a bit of a bronchitis. Here's some penicillin. Then you, you go home and you read the small print. This may cause drowsiness, your ear may drop off, your <coughs> nose may turn green. You think, wow, I, 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 thought, I thought this was all about my goodness. And I want to really encourage us as a church today to understand that Christ, for Christ to be exalted and glorified in this church, for you and I to be everything God's called us to be, but called us together to be, we need to wake up to the reality that we will face hardship, we will face suffering, we will face persecution. Amen? Amen. Amen. We will. And here's the really good news about sharing the gospel, because you're all looking a bit nervous about sharing the gospel. See, I've got some really, really good news. You and I can save no one. That's good news. You and I, can, we can't save a person. No matter what, how well we preach the gospel, love the gospel, share the gospel, the good news is you and I cannot save anyone. That is God's business. Amen. Yes, you're warming up now. Amen. <laughs> By the end of this message, it's going to be like a Pentecostal meeting. Amen. No one, none of us can. Well, that's a relief, isn't it? So what are we called to do? We are called to love people towards Jesus Christ. We're to called to love people, to share loving people towards Jesus Christ. And uh, there's a book, Sharing Caring and sharing, loving people towards Jesus Christ. Now, when you come to church, you're normally expecting the person at the front to ask for money or to ask you to buy a book. How about we give a book? How many people would like to know how to share their, the love of Jesus Christ with another person and read this book? Anybody like... Actually, Heather, would you like to give out some of these books? These are free. Don't worry, it's not a catch. It's not suddenly going to be, on the way out, you're going to get... Heather, there's another one here. Give that away. Well, thank you so much. Keep your hands up. These are re- this is a really, really good book. And uh, you're all enjoying that. And I said, wow, a free book. <laughs> Heather's going to start throwing them. Ah... <laughs> uh, now, you should always sit near the front. <laughs> Doreen, sit at the front and we can hear your amens. You see, Peter is saying, I mean, did you hear that reading of the, when he said, because of, people may slander you, but because of your good deeds... They, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, most commentators say the day of visitation is like Pentecost. It's like when God comes powerfully upon his church. A day of visitation is what we're praying for, isn't it? We want to see a day of visitation. God coming upon this church, upon this city, 
And people will be drawn in because why? Because they've seen you and me living such a life of love, such a life of consideration, such a life of goodness that they are drawn to Almighty God because we've loved people as Christ has loved us. So today we haven't got to beat ourselves up about how good we are at evangelizing and who's the hero in the room. No, we're all rubbish at it, but we can all love people towards Jesus Christ. We can share our story and we can hopefully, in the day of visitation, see our loved ones, our neighbors, our friends drawn in. So how do we live this life of love? How do we live the blessed life? Verse 23 of what we've read talks about Jesus himself. He's our great example that whilst he was being reviled, he did not revile in return. He uttered no threats, but entrusted himself to him who judges righteously. righteously. We're going to look at this passage and look at three attitudes that you and I need to develop. And my prayer is that we will receive grace and God's goodness and spiritual empowerment to live each one of these in terms of um, the, the attitudes of Christ and the, and, and, and the way in which Christ himself suffered, the way in which Christ brought salvation. So the first attitude I want to encourage us with this morning and challenge really is this, that salvation, salvation is the only, sorry, submission is the only way to salvation. He begins, verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. By the way, this is going to be such a, this is going to really challenge all of us, this message. We're all going to be offended, okay? Just put it out there. Please don't be offended with me. I'm, I'm just going to try and keep to the text. And if you're offended, take it to God first and see, see how he handles it, uh, rather than take it to me or one of the elders. Submission is the only way to salvation. Submission is a good word. Amen? It's a biblical word. It means to be subject to, to willingly submit. The word is hupostasso, apparently. It means to willingly obey an authority or a leadership. And it's mentioned here in verse 13, submitting to worldly authorities, human institutions. That, for that, we've got to think of government, police, people outside of this church. That's what we're being asked to submit to. As I said, this is going to really cut and, and challenge us. It, we're called to submit to, as, as Christ submitted to his Father, we're called to submit to Christ. In, in chapter 3, verse 1, in the same way, wives, be submissive to your husband. What, what, hang on, hang on, this is really offending me already. Why? So that, to your husband, so that even if any of them are disobedient or unbelievers, they may be won over by the behavior of their wives. Many people in this room, we married to unbelievers. And you may have tried really hard to share your faith with them, and you may have been shut down pretty... And you may think, well, I'm going to go again and go again and drive the other person absolutely nuts. The way in which the gospel wins 
is by our submitting to our husbands, to the person that we've married. And they're won over by our good behavior, not by our words. Submission is found throughout the New Testament. Slaves to masters, children to parents, creation to vanity, spiritual forces to Christ, wives to husbands, believers to God, the son to the father. It is something which is right the way through the pages of, the, of, of Scripture, submission. And submission, let's be honest, is a word which strikes fear into every heart in this room. Because we've seen too often the abuse of authority. We've seen those parents who have abused children, teachers who have abused children. We've heard stories of, of husbands who have abused wives terribly, awfully. We've heard stories of church leaders who have abused members physically, spiritually, even sexually. And therefore, when we hear a message like this, our natural inclination is, to be, is, is rightly to be guarded. And I need to say very clearly that Christians are never instructed to submit to an authority that calls them to sin. If someone tells you in the name of Jesus to do something which is wicked and sinful, you do not have to submit to that authority because there is a higher authority which is the authority of God. And he will hold the whole world into an account. But even in a fallen world in which Peter is writing, he wants believers like you and me to understand that God has instituted authority for the good of the world. He's put in place, in motion, in societies, in communities, governments that are there, even unrighteous governments that are there to help society and civilizations flourish. And as believers, we are not to be those who say, I've got a higher authority, I don't need to follow what the world is saying. I can drive at 60, policemen, because I don't care it's 40, I serve a higher authority. No, we delight to submit ourselves to worldly authorities, knowing above that is a higher authority, the authority of God. Therefore, we pay our taxes. Oh, you're the taxes are being spent on, I'm not going to give my taxes to that. Yes, you are. Because above that authority is a higher authority. And they will give an account one day for how they've used that authority. You say, well, Peter was living in a different age. Peter is talking about submitting even to the emperor. Love the brotherhood. Honor the emperor. The emperor. Who's the emperor? The emperor is the person, Nero, who's going to take his life. Peter's going to die. So when he's writing this, it's not, Peter's writing some easy stuff for us to hear. Peter is writing to a church saying, no, no, you need to understand how God operates in society and you need to be those who uphold authority because authority flows like, like a water, like a, a plumbing system in this church 
There is a head attack. There are pipes with male and female connectors. They are intricately connected to each other. And there are taps and there are valves. and there, Everything works towards us being able to turn the tap on in the bathrooms or, or in the kitchen and beautiful fresh water to flow. God's beautiful, wonderful authority flows through amazingly through the machinations of worldly authorities in order for society to be benefited and be blessed. And therefore, we ought to be those who are outstanding at submitting to authority because we serve one in ultimate authority. Let me ask you this morning, what areas are you struggling to submit is it at work? Do you have one of those awful bosses? I, I had a terrible boss in my first job. He was such a so-and-so. But I had to learn to know how to submit to that authority in order to know authority in my own life, God's authority. You see, you can never have authority in your life unless you le- first learn to submit to it. What about your work, your church, your family? Where are you struggling at the moment? And sometimes you may be really struggling with very ungodly authority and not knowing quite now how to handle that. Well, there's grace this morning. There's ministry this morning. There's grace. In these ministry times, when we finish the sermon and we say we're going to worship and there's ministry time, I would encourage you to go and receive prayer and encouragement. Because submitting to ungodly authority is not easy. There is suffering involved. I am talking to people in another nation who are undergoing huge persecution where everything in them wants to come out from the authority that is there. But we need to uphold authority because God has put it here to honour, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's to the king or governors who are there to punish evildoers. The second attitude I want you to see here that Christ exemplifies is true freedom is only found in the life of surrender. It says there in verse 16, act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but use it as slaves to God. Now, another massive tripwire here. Paul is using the word slaves. We've translated it in other versions, servants. But slave is a word which carries with it huge emotional pain for many people even in this room today. From the 1500s to the 1900s, we know that the Europeans forcibly uprooted millions of people from West Africa, Central Africa. They, they shipped them across the seas of this world with great cruelty. And there is no justification for that. Sadly, again, in the history of the church, some people have tried to justify slavery from verses such as this. But we need to be understanding that Paul is speaking to a social class because he's speaking to a Roman world with servants or 
groups called slaves who were a group of people, a social class, an economic class that were existing in the Roman world. In the most part, slaves in the Roman world were treated well. They held big responsibilities, doctors, nurses, astronomers, builders, stonemasons. Most of them were born into slavery because of Roman uh, attacks on different countries and bringing back slaves. And then they were born, children were born to those people who were firstly brought back into Rome. But Romans had legislation about the rights of slaves. They could earn a salary. In fact, most of them could actually buy their own freedom. So when we're looking at this, the word servant, and maybe those who like Downton Abbey might be uh, able to sort of picture more, I think, what Paul is trying to help us picture here, that, sorry, that Peter is helping us picture here, that Peter is talking about the mark of a servant is someone who submits who surrenders their will, who surrenders their desire in order to follow the leading of the master. So in verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only those who are good and gentle, but those who are unreasonable. So here we have it again. This really is challenging how we live in this world. How do we win a pagan world for Christ? Most of us are going to rub up against people who are unreasonable. People who demand or are over-demanding. And we're not called, he says here, to suffer under unjust government or unjust leaders or masters if we are acting irresponsibly. I've met Christians who go, oh, I can't believe my boss, he's so unrighteous. Why is that? Well, I get in to like half an hour late every morning and he, he has a go at me. <laughs> well, he should have a go at you. Because you're someone who is under authority. All authority is under God's authority. And you're someone who delights in upholding that. See, if we get hold of this, brothers and sisters that we are servants and we are to serve even unjust masters because we serve one over, over them, it will bring us into huge amounts of freedom. If we struggle and try and work our way and manipulate our way so that we're not having to submit to our masters, the weird thing is it can bring us into slavery and in bitterness. And maybe one of the best ways of uh, understanding this in terms of the freedom we're talking about is to think about, I went to Ham House yesterday, which is a National Trust property just outside Richmond. And uh, I chatted to one of the guides at Ham House and, and they were talking about the life of someone who was a servant. Now here's the interesting thing is, they had loads of servants Servants had their quarters, servants had their private little passageways so they didn't actually go into the main rooms but could suddenly appear in any room at the bell push. But here's the interesting thing. People like you and I for centuries would have walked past Ham House. None of us could have just walked into Ham House. We wouldn't be allowed to. We'd be arrested. This beautiful house, this imposing stately mansion, these beautiful gardens, we could have just looked on the outside and gone, oh, that looks nice. But a servant 
could walk straight through the main door. A servant, when the master was out, could walk in any room of the house. A servant could pick up priceless artifacts, beautiful works of art, vases. They could go anywhere. They could eat some of the choicest food. They were totally free within the compass of their master's care because of their serving or their, their slavery to the master's will. And Peter is trying to grab hold of us Christians and say to us, listen, do not believe a lie that freedom is to be found outside of authority. Don't believe the lie that if you try and just do your own thing and be your own person and you don't need to be under authority, that you're going to be into freedom because actually that brings you into slavery. Slavery to sin. Slavery into condemnation. Slavery into idolatry. I've seen so many believers say, it's my desire, my ambition, my will I want to be done. And when we say that, God's will isn't done. So submission and surrender are the way for a believer to enter into freedom and enter into salvation. Let me ask you in terms of a practical question on this issue. Where do you need to surrender to Christ? What area in your life do you feel that you're struggling with today in terms of maybe your work, maybe your home, maybe this church, that God is asking you to surrender to his sovereign will? And I want to finish this passage, and we're going to come to communion with this as well. And the third thing I want you to see in this passage is choose your tree. This is an incredible testimony that Peter has given. Can you remember Peter when uh, Jesus, who is the good shepherd, and Peter is a sheep, and Jesus says, hours before he's to be crucified, I will strike the shepherd of the sheep and they'll be scattered. And Peter in Matthew 14 says, even if they all fall away, I'll, I'll, I'll be the man. I'll stay with you, Jesus. Count me in. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, no, you're going to fall away quite spectacularly. And Peter did. He ran and hid and denied and disowned three times. But now, as he writes this, he's returned to the shepherd and guardian of his soul, to the good shepherd. And he's telling us, for you were continually straying, verse 25, like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Jesus beautifully described here no sin, no deceit. Whilst he was being reviled, he did not revile in return. He suffered. He uttered no threats. He entrusted himself, which is what I'm encouraging us to, to do this morning, to him who judges righteously. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that you and I might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. 
powerful, powerful words that we could spend hours dwelling on. But just one thing I want you to see in terms of the cross. Verse 24. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. Cross, xylon, the Greek word xylon, which couldn't be translated wood, can be translated cross, can be translated tree. And Peter reminds us, all of us, that there are two trees. Scripture contains two trees. There is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of self-will, the tree where Adam originally, the first man, decided, I don't want to submit. I don't want to be a servant. I want to do it my way. My life, my way. I'm going to be God of my life. And it plunged humanity into ruin. You want to plunge your life into ruin? It's found in rebellion to God's will, in demanding your will be done. In choosing the fruit of that tree and picking that fruit, much the way Adam and Eve did in that first garden, and deciding, no, we can be like gods, we don't need to submit. But Jesus, our example, the one we're looking to this morning, he goes to another tree. It's a rugged cross outside Jerusalem. It's a tree of death. He hung upon a cross. He, his body took upon the sins of the world that he died. He died for the sin of the world. He died for the unrighteousness of this world. He chose that tree. He chose that tree. He, could have, he, could have, he was eligible to choose the tree of life. But he chose the tree of death because he tasted death for us. You and I, so that we might what? Live to God, live to righteousness, that we might bear the fruit of God in our lives and we might be healed. By his wounds, you are healed. Sin and suffering did not defeat Jesus Christ, did not defeat God. The terrible sufferings of Jesus were reversed by God. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And from that place of weakness of the flesh was followed that moment of power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is our example today. That we may suffer for being Christians. We may have horrible authority that we have to come under and submit to. But Christ is working, and we can expect great things from him. The one who broke the power and the, ch and the chains of sin and death and hell is the one who is in this room today to do exactly that in our lives. That whatever suffering you've endured, whatever persecution, however hard your life is, however horrible your boss, your wife or your husband or whatever authority that you've submitted under, this is a place where God's freedom can be released in the power of his spirit. He is in the resurrection business. And the reminder of that is bread and wine, which we're going to take in a few minutes. But I want to encourage you. Just as we finish this message, I want to encourage you 
there is much more grace to be had from God. There is much more power to be had from God. There is much more joy to be had from God. And as we, as we come into his presence in an attitude of submission and surrender, there is a powerful flow of the Holy Spirit that moves towards us. Christ moves towards us. When we submit and we surrender, he loves that spirit. He can come in and use our lives for his glory. So I'd like you to stand. I'd like to invite the worship group to come. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You are the righteous one of God, that you committed no sin, no weakness, no wrong was ever found in you, and yet you offered up your life as a ransom for many. Thank you today. We, your church, can surrender to one whose sovereign rule and power extends over the whole universe that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even though we don't see every human institution, every marriage, every person, every leader submitting and bowing the knee to you, Lord, we can bow the knee to you by upholding authority, by speaking well of those who persecute us, knowing, Lord, there is a higher day and a higher judgment coming. So I pray today for everyone who's struggling, Lord, with an injustice and unrighteousness, I pray, Lord, that you'd come through to meet them at their point of need. I pray as we break bread and we, and we share the wine, Lord, that you would minister grace upon grace to every heart and every life. And I pray, Lord, for a church here that knows the power that raised Jesus from the dead flowing towards us as we surrender to you this morning, as we bow the knee to King Jesus, I pray, please, catch us up in your great purposes to reach this pagan world for Christ. Lord, we want to see thousands saved in our lifetime. We want to see your power upon your people. And I know it's the authority issue, which is so often the way we go wrong. You said, Jesus, let your will be done. Father, I, Father your will be done, not mine. And Lord, we say this morning, your will be done in this church as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.